0: safety professionals, ghosts and goblins, trick-or-treaters, everyone else. Welcome to episode three of Bald Guys Talking Safety. In Chicago, I'm Paul Gibson.
1: In Spring Hill, Tennessee, I'm Langdon DeMint. Langdon, how are you on this fine autumn
0: day? I think we're a few days uh, before the kids are going to be out trick-or-treating. How
1: are, how are you? You know, I'm good. I can't complain. Just a little it's it's a little cool finally here which is good my house i haven't turned the heat on so that's my main issue right now you haven't had the heat on yet
0: this year well
1: it's in that debate of temperature you know when it's during the day it gets to 70 so you're thinking do i do it but then overnight it's 43 so it's a little it's a little chilly so i'm in that crux of not knowing what do i do so i just kind of turn it up and then don't let it do anything yeah, 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 we've, uh,
0: yeah, we're up, you know, up in Chicago, we've had the heat on already, but uh, we got a ton of rain earlier this week But panel alive. So with that being said, Langdon, we got Halloween this week. Um, I've posted some, uh, some Halloween safety tips on our Twitter for all of you, uh, you parents yeah. of little trick or treaters out there and, um, and uh, you can check out our, uh, our Twitter and it's at baldguyssafety.com. Please go on there. Please follow us. We uh, we greatly appreciate it, um, Langdon. I have a very very important question for you right about now. What are your uh, What are your favorite three Halloween candies? Oh
1: man, that's tough. you know. I just want to say before I do that, um, solid job being on top of being on top of the the feed and everything. You're, you're really really carrying us the next to the next level. So good job. Um. Hmm. That's tough. uh That's really tough. You know, we thinking about. It's probably got to be Heath Bar. Love Heath Bar. Oh. Um. I'm uh, Heath Bar. That Heath Bar is underrated. That
0: is a. It. That really is, is very underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yep. I mean, I like
1: Score too, but I prefer the Heath Bar. Yeah. Um, uh. m&m Yep. Oh, M&M's. you got it. Eminem
0: is solid. Peanut or m M&M. and Peanut are the, the traditional ones.
1: Mm, traditional.
0: I like them both. I got
1: but you. Yep. Let's go traditional.
0: And they got a lot of new flavors now with M&M's. You ever notice? They got a lot.
1: Crunchy. They're always crunchy coming out strong. with
0: something. Yeah.
1: I don't know. My favorite, that's tough. You know, I I like a Butterfinger, but the problem with the Butterfinger is, you know what it is? Yeah, There's, it's all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah ah, I agree. You know, it's, so, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'd mix it up, though, in a little Sour Patch Kid or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm with you.
1: I've got a, I've
0: got a, you know, one that I, I just really like, and it's, it's a little bit obscure, and a lot of people hate these. I like this. I like the vanilla tootsie roll. I know that sounds really boring, but I do like that. That's why well. I like the cherry ones or the fruit punch. Yeah. Yes, I do like those as well. Mm. I like that. Um, I gotta say, on the chocolate side, I like the Twix. I do mm. like the Twix.
1: Left or but right. Number
0: one, the absolute number one for me is the old-fashioned, just the circle, not the holiday one, not just the Reese's, mm. just, and not any of the special, just the old-fashioned Reese's bar. I think those are just, I think that's awesome. I just, I still okay. like
1: it. You know, I got to say, though, it's coming around the corner. We'll get to that later at our future podcast. The Christmas tree Reese's are pretty stellar those are pretty uh those are pretty just, thick you like those huh mm, yeah it's a gooey goodness also like a little more grand. a little more peanut butter in the in those I yes, guess. exactly but I also like 100 grand because when I eat it in my mind I'm thinking ah oh, wish I had 100 grand <laughs> you know, a, but I do enjoy that they have a crunchy soft goodness
0: you're gonna take the little ones trick-or-treating
1: yeah we have Couple of occasions of trick or treating this weekend. It's supposed to rain Saturday, which might cause oh. uh, a little, little issue for our trunk or treat at church. And then on Sunday evening, we'll do the neighborhood, the neighborhood walk around. Always good fun. I, um, mm-hmm.
0: Be a uh, be, be a fun year, I think, for everybody. I hope everyone enjoys it. Appreciate. So I wanted to get into our main uh, our main topic here today, and uh, we'll kind of stick with the. Uh, Halloween theme. And the title of this one, we're going to call this the, uh, the lone wolf. The solo safety professional Langdon. I think we, uh, I think we all know, we all know a lot of these, these folks Mm -hmm. who are out there and, um, you know, I'd like to say that this was just a recent trend because of the last year and a half, but it's not, I mean, I've, uh, you know, I've visited, uh, plants and, visited, you know, different facilities through the years where you have um, one person who's, um, you know, responsible for the safety of, you know, hundreds of people and it could be in multiple facilities. So it's, uh, you know, it really is, um, you know, something that many of our, uh, many safety professionals, many of the folks who, uh, who we talk to on a regular basis, this is a real challenge. They are, uh, they are the only one within their organization that even has safety in their title. So, um, yeah, that's really, that's going to be our topic today. We're talking about the, uh, the lone
1: wolf. Excellent transition. Werewolves, the lone wolf of safety. The lone wolf of safety. You know, and I think it's even bigger. You, you think about it from just everything uh, that they're trying to do that, um, out in the facility, but it even spans when you start thinking about a lot of times, those are the organizations that are trying to really mature in regards to health and safety so then you start thinking the applicability even a wider span of program development policy development maintaining it's a it's challenging very my first before i took my first job it was pure safety at the time ul it was prior to that right before i accepted i was i'd been offered another role and it was at an organization in west tennessee and i there's a little regret, but at the same time, there wasn't. It was a it was a job I was going to be there first, and it was a global company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but most of their operations, they they worked with, uh, with specific aspects of a vehicle. I won't, I won't get down to any more specifics than that. But it was I was going to be their first safety professional. So yeah, one, I was going to be a lone wolf. Two, I was going to be a lone wolf in an organization that honestly was lone across the board, right? So, and that is a that's change management when it gets to a certain point. That's culture, and that's that's when it gets fear. I think a little bit of fear, and and I preferred the other option at the time. Uh, you know, that's that's a challenge. But it still that's, occurs
0: Yeah, it's a real challenge, and I think you know. So I think you're coming in, and you know, you're having to. Um, you're having to you know push for that change be the cheerleader kind of of that change and then also um you know you're having to um you're having to make the case you know up to the senior level level leaders to get their buy-in so there's you know there's there's really there's challenge on there's challenge for uh for the safety professional on both on both fronts when you're um, when you're in there and um it can really it can be a lot and so i think it's really important you know, to, um, for these sole safety professionals, really important to, um, you know, use, uh, you know, grow, build your network, grow, you know, build your network of, um, you know, folks that you, uh, that you trust both, uh, inside your organization, the people that you want to work with, you want to maybe, maybe think about creating safety teams and those types of things, but also having a network outside of other safety professionals that you can, um, that you can really lean on and you can uh, can feel free to reach out to and it's really really important i think and i one of the things that i've really loved in this industry since i've been in it is um i do think you know there's not a lot of other there's not a lot of other professions you know if you were in marketing or something you're not really allowed to talk with your competitors and different things but in safety you know there is that opportunity yeah. where you can you know, for the betterment of the worker as a whole, you know, you can you can talk with uh, your competitors about best practices and you can talk with people who are in similar situations to you, similar plants, similar facilities. So I think the importance of really building that network, um, particularly if you are, you know, a solo safety professional, the lone wolf, if you will, you know, trying to um, find that network. And I, there's a lot of, um, a lot of really good networks now um, online, you know, a lot of good online communities, ton of popped up over the last couple of years. Langdon, um, mm-hmm. you know that I would uh, that I would recommend uh, joining. And you know, if anyone has any questions or you know any anything on that, you can feel free to uh, you know send an email or you know send me a send me a Twitter message, LinkedIn message, something like that. I'd love to tell you about some of the ones that I like. But um, yeah, that would really. Uh, You know, I think those are some of the things that I think about, you know, for the solo safety professional.
1: Yeah, and I think you hit on something uh, from the aspect of talking about creating teams and things like that and not being proprietary. You know, safety is not proprietary. Now, specific process that an organization does maybe that could provide some insight into trade secrets or whatever. Okay, but for the most part, talking talking health and safety, talking processes. I mean, it's it's about learning from one another. Uh, you know, there's, I, I dare say, and I, would, I might be corrected, someone might send me something and correct me, but what is really just impactful or has been globally changing to the realm of health and safety? You know, maybe it's a new focus, but there's nothing groundbreaking. You know, I mean, what did, what did the word that must not be named, uh, for those of you that have never listened to our podcast, it's COVID. <laughs> we refer to it as the word, the C word that must not be named. What does that show? It, it's shown a lack of infection control programs. It's shown right. a lack of sometimes gaps in that. So when we think about it, you know, there's not, not a whole lot of news. So what's something that that you can do different, and I know I've talked about it before, and I always do. I think it's just it's such high value as establishing camaraderie, establishing the rapport with with workers uh, and all parties. Not just doesn't matter if they're front level manager. You're not. We get the connotation of health and safety of being the, and it doesn't matter if I've been my internal health and safety manager, if I've done consulting, if I've done industrial hygiene consulting. Friend of mine. You always get that connotation of oh not for those of you that you might not be able to see of course I put my hand over my mouth oh no here comes the safety police here comes right the IH. and and that's not the way you know i think a lot of times we come off that way and that's not the way it should be it's so much more of establishing that rapport with everyone getting the understanding yeah. especially if you're if you're in those organizations whether it's construction manufacturing it doesn't matter yeah you know, just trying to get to know everybody and and go out there and you're going to have to have some thick skin because you're going yep. to most likely if you're alone, if you're in a new organization or an organization that's kind of starting to put more focus in health and safety and maybe they haven't historically or if you're just the lone wolf in general, you're in a pretty good health and safety, they have a good culture uh, of overall buy-in. I think you still are going to have that focus that's only put on you, so you're going to have to have tough skin. You're going to have to kind of shake off the dirt if something is said to you. But also, be persuasive in conversation. And, and that doesn't mean uh, that doesn't mean lying or trying to lewd, But it, it means you're establishing those relationships. You're being persuasive in your conversation about health and safety and how that can really how that can really be a, a change a change piece of the overall overall culture. Um, you know, and I think there's there's a lot to that because it everything gets put on you whether it's trying to manage the admin side of it whether it's trying to be the the process person going out there or the applicable act, actually doing the in the weeds training and everything i mean there's there's a lot to it and it's it, it can be it can be scary when you actually take a step back and think you know if something happens if we don't have a certain process from a regulatory standpoint that could come down and right. you know how the regulatory can just funnel into to lawsuits to, you know and, and that's when you realize the i think the importance of having a proactive approach to not just even if there is a lone wolf getting others involved to help you and, and absolutely what, to me that's exactly what you were hitting on with the teams it, it's understanding that safety is not just me as a safety professional it's it's everybody out there. It's creating that overall overall buy-in. I'm struggling yeah. with the word overall today. It yeah, you know, I think I think I think safety
0: committees, safety teams, you know, whatever you can really, you know, get in place and find those. Um, you know, I think we've talked about it in the past. I think I've used the term in the past, but finding those uh, those lead dogs who are out there, um, you know, and you know who those people are in your facility. And um, finding the ones that um, that really buy into health and safety—they understand the importance of it. They understand the importance of it for uh, you know for their brothers and sisters on the shop floor—and um, getting them involved because every every plant has um, every facility that I've ever been to—they have those people. Safety's not in their title, but they get it. And you and you can usually figure out who those people are, and um, they're going to be the ones. That can then win some of the other people over, and get them over to, um, you know, onto our side of things. So uh, that's that, that's that's one of the things that I, uh, the way I look at it. You mentioned uh, a little bit a while ago, Langdon. You said, "Here comes the uh, here comes the safety police," and uh, we don't, you know, obviously nobody nobody wants to be that person. you you'd much rather think of it from more of a, you know, like a coaching standpoint than like the police standpoint. But there are times where you know, you kind of, like you say, when you are that lone wolf, sometimes you probably do got, have to put on that hat and uh, and be that person. But I think if you have, um, you know, if you've taken the time and you've developed the relationships, the best uh, safety professionals that I've ever seen are the ones that go out on that shop floor and they know almost everybody by name. And not only yep. that, do they know, they know how many kids they have. And they know, I mean, they know so much about these people. And that's not something that you'll get right away, but I think with with experience and with time, if you're able to kind of take that approach and kind of learn and understand who your people are at the facility, it's going to make it going to make it a lot easier. But, you know, when you're the lone wolf, you know, time is a real, a real issue. There's so many different things that you have to do, you know, that take away from that time where you're able to be out, you know, creating those relationships and understanding you know more about the people of your facility so it really is um you know incumbent to have you know some good tools in place and have um you know as you're building out your processes building out your um your safety management system really um you know use use some of these tools that are in place and then also um you know reach in, reach to your network and um, learn from some of the things, the people who've been there
1: before and done this, you know, before you. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, you know, that's spot on it. Cause it's easy. It's easy to be the lone wolf and feel like, feel like you're in isolation. Right. Yeah. To actually being the lone wolf and being in isolation, Yeah. You know, being, feeling like you are and actually being there. are totally separate. If you're in isolation, you're on an Island by yourself. You don't have people helping you and and you're going through what you know I think there's a couple of fronts if it's from maybe some of your own actions which let's be honest everybody can you know, maybe sometimes have that feeling of I'm, I'm being the police I'm going out because I'm not getting buy-in so then I'm creating that type of environment and or not creating but I'm adding to it I should say and then on the flip side if you know if, if it's because I'm not getting that buy-in everyone are not being as engaged and it's, it's kind of putting them on an island. You've got to think fast on how, how you can sell yourself and what you're trying to do. And again, it's about, it's about being persuasive. It is about selling to a certain extent uh, that, that value of, of why it matters while you're saying what you are, while you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. It's uh, you know, that to me, that's a big, that's a big piece of it because it's when you're out there, if you're by yourself, the opportunity for system weaknesses to exist it, it's it's going to grow, and you know we talk about the blame cycle, we have before, if you have that system weakness that is existing then it's persisting you're going to have management awareness suffering you're going to have. A, you're going to have frontline uh, workers are going to be suffering their awareness communications going to drop so really you have that entire cyclical program of. What i'll call maybe I don't know that I would necessarily call it the blame cycle, but it's just a—it's a failure process. Mm-hmm. and that's when issues will start even potentially growing more so and it's it's not just about you know preventing incidents or saying well we're not having any incidents because you you might be having a ton of incidents just nobody's reporting because they don't care about it right and that's that's honestly can be even scarier because then you know we talk about SIFs or we talk about just uh, the frequency of incidents in general and if you have that non-recognition, you're going to have the unknown of what's actually happening. Yeah. And and that's when you start to see how, really how scary it can be. And especially if you if you are by yourself, that's an uphill battle. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely things, I think, to, to try to think about and how you can overcome. And really just building, you know, to me, it, it's about hopefully having Having that baseline knowledge, of course, but at the end of the day, you can always research regulations and and try to figure out what is applicable there to your own specific organization. You can look at best practices for that own specific organization. You can look at their own organizational requirements. But when it comes to health and safety, you know, something we both were speaking of, it's definitely just that relationships, getting to know everybody. Yeah. because that's that's the aspect of health and safety that it's hard to teach. It's hard yeah, to teach and open, just going out and talking to people or, or showing that care. And some people are, or um, more, uh, their personalities are not as extroverting from the standpoint of that. That's them, but that's where you you're just, right. I don't know. You got to kind of think outside the box in my opinion. Yeah. That's some of the organizations that I've worked with. That's been some of my, some of my early recommendations. It's, you know, whether they've been the their own safety, they've moved into that role, whether they've hired them. It, the ones that have... I feel like, for, you know if I think about it from my own experience, I feel like the ones that have kind of been moved in that position have had better times building relationships because, oh, well, that's, that's Bobby from right facilities. He's just yep. taking this over yep. or whatever. Maybe, now, that's not saying they're not bogged down with everything that it entails, which is, that, that's, that's one of the biggest, um, probably adverse effects of being a lone wolf is there's so much in the realm of health and safety from your compliance that you have to do from, you know, all, all the check in the boxes and insurance processes, but from a, a camaraderie standpoint, they're the ones that they have to me, just that better opportunity because they've already, hopefully they're, they already have that rapport with everyone. And I, I've seen that they have had that opportunity to take it to the next level, whereas you have somebody new coming in, you're the first safety guy, you are, you're a gal, you're the first person to manage it, you're by yourself, you're trying to teach, trying to coach, trying to meet, and greet, yep. and it's a challenge. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. It's not, um, you know, these things are not it's not insurmountable but i do i do agree with you i i think uh i think i've seen i think what i have seen is oftentimes you know the people who are you know internally get put into that position um i think those relationships i think i think it's just natural right because it's probably somebody somebody from within the uh you know i guess the, the the facility family if you will somebody from within and um there might just be a little more of comfort level and they uh Maybe they don't have to work as hard because uh you know they have some of these relationships already and um you know but i do think you know and often often now you know with a lot of our uh, young professionals they are being put into this and they are coming you know straight in maybe uh maybe just out of one of their first couple jobs or right from college so um there is a challenge and uh you know i think i think working on those personal relationships i would say i'd put that, I'd put that as you know, number one thing, you know, along with a million other things you have to do, but no, don't let that, don't let that, that building those personal relationships. If if that fails, all the rest of it may not, may may not matter. Yeah,
1: no, I agree, and that's that's where you know we we talk about it. Really, we talk about it on many different fronts about the. You think about NASA, so they experienced brain drain a few years yeah. ago for. Those of you who don't know brain drain, basically everyone that got them to the moon left or, well, we'll just stick with they left. So then they didn't really know how to get back to the moon Yeah, because every all the experts left. So you had that massive brain drain. And then you start thinking about how organizations have to continued to grow. And now we're in a, a perfect scenario of difficulty because people are working longer than they have people are living longer, just, you know, both great, great things, people want to work, that's fantastic, people are living longer, younger people are getting into the workplace, so then we have to figure out how can two people that have viewed things so polar opposite, so totally different, because, you know, some of them, they grew up in, you know, the World War II era of, unfortunately, they that's starting to kind of fizzle out due to time, due to time and age. But those that are just right under that, yeah. um, you know, they still view things very similar to that, to that realm. So then you have the the how they're to be coached, how they're to be taught, how they work mm-hmm. in general, versus young when you know, lift up your phone, social media and how that's changed. So you have to figure out how can how can I help And and stimulate conversation and keep things really moving and growing to two people that two meaning age groups that view things so different. And that is a challenge. Especially if you have someone right out of a health and safety program or that's just going into that role and they are some of that younger, you really have to figure out how to bridge that gap and even have conversation. And that's you know, that that's a that's definitely a challenge, which to me attributes to the you know what you were hitting on a moment ago and hopefully what what everyone's kind of getting back is that you've got to get outside your comfort realm and just dive in honestly yeah
0: absolutely well
1: i uh i
0: think i think we've probably uh what do you think you got any other any any final final thoughts on that topic
1: you know we could probably talk longer i think on specifics but i I think overarching we've had, um, hopefully we've hit on some some points to, to think about and to kind of hopefully help, help various organizations m- move forward. You know, if, if anyone has questions, definitely reach out. We'd, we'd be more than happy to help, but I, I think this is a still a challenge for for many out there. It's not just about trying to ensure that your workplace is being as healthy and safe, but it, it is definitely about trying to create those relationships, so it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't hesitate to reach out.
0: Yeah. So if you've sick, stuck with us and um, listened to this whole podcast uh, again today, we greatly appreciate it. Um, please subscribe. We are, uh, we are on Spotify and I believe soon we'll be on Apple Podcast as well. So please hit the subscribe button there and um, tell any other of your uh, safety professional friends about us. It's uh, Bald Guys Talking Safety. We're on Twitter. Um, you can follow Langdon and I on LinkedIn as well, or on all of that that these uh, these fine uh, yeah. these fine things. So uh, feel free and reach out if you have any questions, any comments, and um, we thank you very very much for listening today. Please uh, please tell somebody about us. We appreciate it. Take care. Stay safe, everyone.